Welcome to the Creative Pen Podcast. I'm Joanna Penn, thriller author and creative entrepreneur, bringing you interviews, inspiration and information on writing, publishing options and marketing ideas for your book. You can find the episode show notes, your free author blueprint and lots more information at thecreativepen.com and that's pen with a double n. And here's the show. Hello creatives, I'm Joanna Penn and this is episode number 544 of the podcast and it is Wednesday the 6th of April 2021 as I record this small in between episode. <laughs> in today's show I'm talking to Ryan Dingler from Google about how you can publish wide and sell more ebooks and audiobooks on Google Play Books plus how you can optimise your books so they are more likely to be discovered. We also talk about, very excitingly, auto-narrated audiobooks using Google's text-to-speech technology and how it might help expand the audio market and, of course, never replacing humans, plus when this might be available for authors to use. So I hope you find the interview useful and interesting. Ryan Dingler is a product manager at Google and also writes about the intersection of technology and business. Welcome, Ryan. Hello, thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you on the show. So first up, tell us a bit more about you and why you're so interested in books and technology, because I have been having a little read of your blog. Yeah, no problem. So maybe first, to talk about my background. Uh, I am an avid reader of books myself, even before I got into this job. I mostly read nonfiction, although uh, I do enjoy quite a bit of sci-fi and can definitely go on a binge there. One thing that is unique that I have been able to do is kind of merge my interest in books with my actual job, especially as it relates to technology. Um, you know, as a product manager at Google, I work to develop products for a lot of our users, both on the publisher side and on the consumer side. So it's been quite interesting to see how books can interplay with technology. You know, books have a long history with technology dating back to like the the printing press, the printing press in the 15th century, and really disseminating information. And I kind of see my role as doing that today, maybe on a little bit smaller scale, but you know, allowing anyone to publish their books on our storefront and and purchase it and read it in 75 countries. Yeah, fantastic. So you mentioned 75 countries there. And I think this is the biggest issue I see with many self-publishers. Obviously, there's a huge market in America, but I feel like everyone just thinks America is everything. Give us a sort of overview of Google Play Books in the global ebook ecosystem. Like, obviously, we're not going to list 75 countries, but like, where does it perform best? And, And give us an idea about the Android ecosystem as well. Yeah, certainly. So I think the best place to start actually is to talk about Google in general, and then I can drill down into Android and Google Play Books and actually the difference between Google Play Books and, and Google Books. So as most people are familiar, Google Books, Google's mission is to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. And, and books are a big component of this. Google has had a long history with books dating back to like 2003, 2004. Uh, with their Google Books product, which I'll talk about, uh, as there's always some confusion between what's Google Books and what, what's Google Playbooks. But uh, Google Playbooks specifically is part of the Android ecosystem. So if you have iOS, you're probably less familiar, but Android is the most used mobile operating system in the world today. 
We have over 2.5 billion monthly active users worldwide. And the place where they come to get their apps and their games and their movies and their books is through the Google Play Store. So if you're familiar with the App Store on iOS, Google Play is the same thing for Android. And as I said before, it really has global reach. And so the books part of Google Play Books is the part that I work on, which is a retailer for ebooks and audiobooks. We actually don't sell any print books and we don't have a dedicated reader. Our strategy is that you can read on any digital device that you have, whether it's an Android app. We also do have an iOS app and the web store. As I said before, it's in 75 countries. We operate really on a global scale. We do have large businesses both in the US and actually Japan, where manga is is quite popular, as you could imagine. Uh, But we see that publishers do well in a lot of other smaller markets that they typically uh, wouldn't even think about, whether it's like South Africa or Germany or India, depending on where the publisher is. And Playbooks is tied into the overall Google products ecosystem. So uh, that's like Google Home, Android Auto, Assistant on mobile or Assistant on any other type of hardware device that we have. Uh, Google Playbooks can easily be played on any of those uh, devices as well. So that's Google Playbooks. I just want to distinguish it a little bit from Google Books, what I've been mentioning before. So Google Playbooks is the retailer. Google Books is uh, has to do with Google Search. So if you type in the name of your book into search, if you have uploaded with us in terms of Google Playbooks, uh, you may see uh, on the right-hand side a column about your book. And it may have a preview, a small preview of it, a description of the author as well. And all of that comes from uploading to Google Playbooks uh, so that we can use your books and your content to just my small snippets to users to help them purchase, whether through us at Google Playbooks or with uh, another retailer. Oh, lots of things I want to ask. Um, first of all, on the Google Books, the search side, so as, as you mentioned, people do get a bit confused. But on that, to me, it's very important that my books can be found. For example, with nonfiction in particular, I want people to find my books in search. And uh, my books are on Google Play Books, and, but I hadn't thought to search for them separately. So is that something that just naturally happens if people's books are on Google Play Books, they will appear in search? And also, is there some search engine optimization side of things that we need to do to make it more easily searchable? Yeah, that's a good question. So it, it should happen automatically, actually, when you're going through the process. There are actually two options. One is to publish on Google Play Books, which actually requires it also be on Google Books. And then if, if you didn't want to sell with us, you could also just put it on Google Books. I do want to make a small caveat that like as long as the, the query or the, the search is relevant, uh, your book should show up, but we really can't make any promises. It really depends on the, the query that was entered, which kind of touches on your maybe your second question about SEO and, and, and things like that. It should pop up if that query is really relevant for the book. So if you put in the title and the author, it should come up on the right if it's if it's not there. You probably haven't uploaded with Google Playbooks or somehow there's something that we think is slightly more relevant there. But when you upload with Google Playbooks, you do have that ability kind of embedded. There's, there's really nothing else to turn on. And is that still true if people use an aggregator? So many people will might use Publish Drive, for example, to reach Google Playbooks. 
Yes, that, that is still true. Okay, great. Right. Another question there, you mentioned about the Google Play app. And I think like you mentioned 2.5 billion that Android has active users. Well, I think I saw a stat that it's something nearing 80% of global mobile. Would that be about right in terms of between 70 and 80% in terms of penetration? Yeah, I believe that sounds about right. Although it does, you know, I think depending on where you are, you can get somewhat of a warped perspective of the market, whether if you're based in the United States or uh, the UK, you definitely feel like iOS uh, has a, a lot more market share than that remaining percentage there. Android really does well in other markets kind of outside of, of those two and other ones. So mm. people are always surprised by how, how big Android's market share is. Yeah, I remember seeing that at a podcast movement, and it's very surprising to people. But of course, the devices are a lot cheaper with the Android ecosystem. So I think that's one one of the reasons why. But my question here is, is the Google Play app on every device that has the Android ecosystem, or do people actually have to download it? So for example, I'm thinking as authors, when we share a link to our book, if we share a Google Play link, and someone clicks on it, say on social media or on Twitter, if they don't have the app on their device, is it going to have a problem or does it just pull it through the browser, for example? Yeah, that's a good question. So it really depends on that specific user's device. So maybe just to run through a couple of different circumstances. So if you share it with someone that has Android, it actually doesn't come pre-installed on the Android operating system. Uh, but it, if you share a link, uh, it likely will open in the Google Play storefront. So they have Google Play there already. They can just open it there. If they have the app directly, so we, there's one small distinction between the Google Play Books app and the Google Play Store. They are actually separate. You buy in one, which is the Google Play Store, and then you read on Google Play Books, but you, you actually now also can purchase there as well. So if you have the Google Play Books app, you can... It'll open there. If they have the Google Play Store, it'll open there. If they don't have either of those and they're on iOS and they don't have the iOS app, it will just open in web. Um, we've tried to make it so you know, no matter where these links are being shared, it, it will open in kind of the best optimized experience for them. And then what about audiobooks? Well, obviously, I have audiobooks as well on Google Play. Are they in all 75 countries as well? Or what territories are audiobooks doing well in? Uh, so they're not in all 75, but we, I think we're over about 40 to 50 countries right now. We're always trying to increase our audiobook reach. Maybe a bit of background about our audiobooks business. It is an a la carte model, which means a user can come in and purchase a book at a great price without having to actually subscribe to the audiobook subscription. We tend to do well in the United States, uh, primarily for audiobooks, but we do see a lot of growth in other English-speaking markets like Canada, Australia, and the UK, as well as actually Germany is quite a big market for us as well. We do see growth in a lot of what I would call less mature audiobook markets, but uh, growing to high percentages, but somewhat smaller numbers uh, overall. Mm. And I just one other comment about that actually is for audiobooks, you know, audio is very important to Google in general. We have Google Assistant, which is an entirely almost entirely a voice-specific, audio-specific uh, product. And people can play audiobooks through there. So that's, it's kind of a very strategic importance to us. Yeah, I was actually going to come back on that. And it's interesting because I think, you know, a lot of people now have multiple 
assistants <laughs> and I tend to talk to Google on my phone, even though I have an Apple device, <laughs> although I'll, I'll talk to my watch and my uh, HomePod in a different way, using a different wake word, obviously. Um, but do you, are you seeing a growth in audiobooks that kind of correlates with the growth of use of assistants, say in, I guess, not so much in cars during a pandemic, but in various mm-hmm. ways that people are now using the assistant? Yeah, so we do see a lot of users actually listen to their audiobooks on Google Assistant. It is a a growing percentage of our total listening time. One thing, though, that has been a consistent challenge is people don't actually want to purchase their audiobook on Google Assistant. There's, There's definitely a discoverability problem. It's actually not enabled for us, but we found you know people really come to our storefront first. And then once they have the book, they figure out what they want, they read the description, maybe listen to a sample then they have it in their library, then they can say, hey, I don't really want to say the hotline yeah, actually. Yeah. Don't, too many, don't wait too many devices around. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they say, hey, and then the name, and then they say, can you play this from my library? And it, it plays automatically there. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked a minute ago about the book as metadata and the SEO for eBooks. This is something I care very much about SEO for audio. Is that something that is linked? So if someone does ask a question to their assistant, would it serve a snippet of the text of an eBook if audiobook was enabled, for example? Or is that something that's a possibility? Because of course, voice search means often, you know, voice response. I, you know, I'm not actually sure about this one. I think that it may, but there are just so many things, so many other products at Google that I, I don't have a great answer for that one. I, I think that if you try it out, it may work, it may not. We do try to have it so the corpus is available. That's, sorry, the corpus is what we call all of our books available to all the different products. Um, but Google Assistant does link up to Google search quite uh, well and we, as part of Google search, Google Playbooks, sorry, Google Books, you can see even I get confused sometimes. Google Books uh, is a big component of it, which is where all the books do come in. So it, mm. it should work, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I know it's hard. I mean, it's difficult to keep up, I'm sure, even if you're in the company. Uh, but I guess on that, because of course, Google is a very big company <laughs> with a lot going on and a lot more money involved than book sales, for example. Ebooks especially are tiny. You know, the sale is tiny. And I really wondered how important is books to the Play Store. I mean, I know that to Google and Googlers, books are important, you know, in that one way. But from a business sense, is books important to the Play Store? Because a lot of authors feel that it's not that important and that we're this tiny thing on the tacked on the end of gaming or all these other exciting things. Yeah, that's certainly uh, a good question given the growth and the size of Google in general. Uh, Google Play has had a long history with different what we call like, vertical experiences, whether that's whether that's music or games or movies, books in general. Like one of the core aspects of Android is that we wanted to have these vertical experiences, these really specific products, music available to all Android users, and Google Play Books is meant to serve that purpose. So although it, it doesn't have as large of an impact on revenue as you would expect from uh, the size of Google. It is a very important kind of pillar to make sure that all of our customers have access to these books. I would say it, it more fills a role to know that if a user 
buys an Android device, that they will always have these books, both ebooks and audiobooks available to them, uh, no matter what device they purchase. And that's really our core mission is, is making sure that they have that availability and hopefully at a great price as well. Yeah, and certainly for me as an author, my goal is to have my work available on every platform that someone might look for it and in every format. So I appreciate that. So let's get a bit into the publishing side because for a while, uh, Google Play Books has had a bit of a reputation because it was closed to authors for quite a long time. Now it's open. Can you talk about publishing direct on Google Play and what are some of the benefits and is it now open to everyone, I guess? Yes, it, it is officially open. There is not even an, an invite process, which some people may have been familiar with before. Uh, we allow publishers to sign up in over 40 countries, just to name a few that might be applicable. So the US, the UK, Canada, and Australia, as well as tons of other countries. If you are not on Google Play Books today, all you need to do is go to Google, type in Google Play Books Publishing, and we will be the first link at the top. Uh, And there's a small little uh, get started form process and you can create account within a minute and then you just have to upload your book and set up payment information. I do want to quickly note, though, there is always a little bit of confusion if you don't have a Google account already. So we do require a Google account. So if you use Gmail, that works perfectly. Uh, If you don't, you do need to create a Google account, uh, which you can actually link to another type of email service. Uh, and then you can come in and then create the account from that Google account. Uh, so if you haven't created an account, it is very easy to do so. It takes a couple of minutes and then all you have to do is uh, upload your book, just like any other uh, publishing platform. And uh, importantly, the multi-currency pricing is something I, I think that people might want to know about. So if they price in different currencies, is there guidance on those types of prices? Uh, Yes. So we do offer the ability to enter one price and have that price be converted locally into specific uh, countries. So we're in 75 countries. There is probably almost just as many currencies. So if you want to put in one price, let's say like $9.99 USD, we would then convert that into local geographies. One thing that I'm sure people are familiar with is it's always best to provide smart pricing. So you don't want it to be converted and be 427 in some other local currency. It just doesn't look like it's very professional in the store. And also it doesn't have that behavioral economics where it seems like it's it's uh, at almost at it's still four dollars, but it's almost five dollars with 499. So we do advise publishers in specific markets that are important to them to provide that local pricing and really provide it at a level that that makes sense for that country. So you can imagine in uh, if you're providing your price in euros to do it, uh, as, let's just say uh, nine euros and 99 cents. Uh, if you want to do the same in the U.S., you can you can do that price. But if you're also per- if you want to provide it in other countries where the cost of living uh, is not as high, we do actually advise publishers to provide a bit lower price to really get at the exact point where supply equals the demand for it. And you can actually generate sales. We do find that a lot of our books are overpriced for that given geography often. So as long as you have the time to do it, definitely try to provide as much price and currency uh, as possible for every single country. 
Yeah, definitely. I think a lot of people just put in their US dollar price and then don't realize that, you know, that translates into Indian rupees or something in sort of exactly. way, way, way exactly. too expensive. So also, if someone is already publishing through a distributor, I mean, I, I know because I've been doing this and the books are there on Google Play Books. And if I log in, I can see it also. But what are the benefits of publishing direct versus through a distributor? Or is there any difference? I mean, obviously, there might be a difference in royalties, <laughs> but what would be any other difference? Is there any benefits? Yeah, certainly. So first off, I think the decision to go direct or not really depends on the specific publisher business. There are pros and cons to each option. Normally, the con, the con is time and uh, the knowledge learning curve. One unique thing maybe about Google Play Books that you don't experience as much at other retailers is we actually require all publishers for eBooks specifically to have their own direct account. So if you want to go publish with us and you're not already, you first actually need to create an account like you will be direct. And then you can have a third party come in and manage your account, uh, which makes it easy if you want to go back to being direct at some point. Uh, but there are a few benefits to going direct. One, as you said, uh, you can earn your full Rev share, your full 70% uh, in 60 plus countries on our platform. Two is you really have direct access to different tools. So we recently launched the ability to create promo code campaigns, which is the ability to provide a discounted or free book to individual users, whoever you want to distribute the codes to. And you can actually create up to 15,000 codes a month, which we find satisfies <laughs> almost everyone. You can do that through our uh, partner center. And if you have direct access, access, it's a bit easier to do that. Also, a long requested feature, we've finally been building new analytics tools into our partner center. And if you have direct access, you can use those a little bit more to understand how your business is performing and react to what you see in the data. And then last, uh, you actually do have it, since you have a direct relationship with us, you hear about new activities and opportunities as soon as they happen rather than hearing through them indirectly. One of the benefits of the way that we have it structured uh, is when you do create an account, you can actually continue to go in there after it's already been managed by a third party. So you can do all this stuff. It really just comes down to how much time and effort you want to put into our platform. So I think there's, there's definitely benefits to both sides, uh, direct or not. But I think if you have the time to go direct, which as we know is really the main cost, I do think that there are a lot of benefits to doing so. So it all sounds pretty exciting, but I know one of the things everyone really just wants to know is how do we sell more ebooks and audiobooks on Google Play? We would all love to sell more. So can you give us some book marketing tips? Yeah, there are certainly a few things to think about. I would say most aren't that unique to our platform. They would probably apply to other ones as well. Uh, and I might separate out into two parts what you can do in our store to make your books more discoverable, as most people are familiar, ours is a very algorithm-driven store. So how to how to help that algorithm show it to more users. And then the second part, what we can do, what you can do to market your book to bring users and build an audience on Google Play. Uh, so maybe to start off with in our store, first is if your book is in a series, which uh, we know a lot of publishers uh, have books in a series. It is very important to give us good series metadata. It's the most fundamental thing. I think it often gets overlooked. With a well-structured series metadata, we can 
do a whole host of things. We send push notifications to users where it's relevant. We have bundles, they purchase more than one book at a time in the series. We do cross-selling. And at the end of the book, we call it the end of book experience to, to sell users on the next book in the series. So it's very important to give us good metadata. And that really, just to get in the nitty gritty details for a second, makes up two parts. There's the series name and the series number. Series name just needs to be consistent across every single one of the book in the series. And the series number is, it's very helpful for it to be a whole integer. So you know, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, when it is like one, one and a half, two, three, four, five, it makes it actually quite difficult for us to uh, put together that series page, especially if there's a number skipped or if there's prequels, all, all of those types of things. So that's kind of the first uh, thing in our store and it's probably the most foundational overall. Second is, uh, while we're on the topic of series maybe, uh, is to have a first in series free. We have no restrictions on how long a book can be free in our store. You can have it a perma-free. And we found that that really performs well for a lot of publishers to get people hooked on the series, especially if it's a particularly long series. Once they're hooked on the free book, they will continue. And then maybe lastly for in-store, it's just experiment with pricing and to kind of mix it up every now and then with a large percent drop in the price. We try to very heavily feature recently price drop books to help our users find good deals. So when a book has a price drop that meets our classifications, we have it appear in a whole host of places. That's like with like collections highlighting discounted titles. We do collections by genre. Uh, we also send uh, targeted push notifications to emails and customers that the book is relevant to when there is a price drop. So that experimentation and changing it um, to see how it goes is really helps with discoverability. And then maybe on the flip side, so that, that's in our store. Outside of our store, um, it comes down to fundamentals as well. Like it's making sure that the Google Play link is in your website, it's in the newsletters, it's everywhere that you have every other store because a lot of users are very loyal to their retailer. And when you do have that link, actually just to earn a little bit extra money, you can have an affiliate link there. We do have that program where you can earn 7% back for when a user purchases a book in the store after clicking on the link. So that's kind of the ground level fundamentals, making sure you have the Google Play link uh, wherever you have other store links. And then maybe one more unique one to our platform, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about before with promo code campaigns. So as I said before, you can have 15,000 codes per month. That's actually three campaigns a month, up to 5,000 per campaign. And we've seen some publishers been quite successful with this feature. So if you have a newsletter or uh, any other domain where you're interacting with customers, we found that some publishers create a little bit of excitement around their book by saying, okay, I'm gonna create a campaign where the first 100 people can redeem my book either for free or for 50% off. And then users in your newsletter would be able to redeem that easily and come to our store to either complete that purchase if it's 50% uh, off or if it's free, just start reading right away. And that's really to get users that are quite loyal to their platform, specifically Google Play Books. So when they see that, they can come in. And once they have their book in their library, things get a lot easier because we do a lot of uh, promotions relevant to what users are actually interested in. And when they have that expressed interest, uh, your book starts to appear more. 
Mm, yeah, so, I think so I said a lot, but that's it's basically the fundamentals there. Sorry, no, that's great. And I think, as you say, it's about getting things moving. And uh, like so often, it's okay, just if you have a free first in series and you have a book bub that goes out also to Google Play, you can that can just start things moving in a series. But until it's moving, it doesn't go anywhere and it will just sit there amongst all the other millions of other books. So I think, yeah, that's it's a good tip. Also, I wondered about merchandising because uh, we are used to now as indie authors, um, Kobo and Apple and Amazon have things that we can apply for in order to be featured in some of these carousels or things is there anything that we can apply for in terms of merchandising or is that something that might be coming so being google we're actually we're very algorithm driven we don't have many merchandising opportunities each for each user we try to personalize the store to the individual so everyone's shopping experience looks different depending on their specific needs uh, we've done a lot of experiments actually on per- our personalization with uh, merchandising and using our algorithms to try to drive engagement. And we think we've gotten to a place where we're uh, trying to be as personalized as possible to both increase the number of purchases and increase just total revenue for, for our publishers. Uh, one of the benefits though of using the algorithms that we do is that it basically provides a level playing field for, for all partners. You don't need to pay extra to get on the same leg. And so everything we find that it benefits both publishers since they're on a level playing field and users because they get the most customized, personalized uh, book recommendations. So I, we're pretty, we're probably going to stay pretty algorithm driven going forward. I don't foresee many changes there. And then something that I really want. So I'm going to just tell you now what I would like to see, because I'm, you know, I'm pretty in the Google ecosystem. So obviously I have uh, books, I have audiobooks. I'm also a narrator. So I'm a creator of, you know, I'm a rights holder for the books, but I'm also a narrator. I'm also a podcaster. Mm-hmm. So my podcast, this podcast goes out on Google podcasts. I'm also a YouTuber and I'm also, I have websites. So I'm a writer. So it, I'm in the Google ecosystem in lots of different ways and one of the things I've always wanted so for example someone listening to this podcast I would love if they're on Google Podcasts that they could go oh I really like Joanna's voice I'd like to listen to her narrate an audiobook and so in my head I would love like a Google creator button that would link my creations across the whole ecosystem uh, and I have suggested this to a number of Googlers so I'm suggesting it to you too but I mm-hmm. mean I know that the company is not one company as such there are loads and loads of different silos and all of that but that kind of idea of a creator across multiple areas is is that something that you think could ever possibly be linked together i I do and that's a very good point like when you think about you either on the creation side or the user side users want to follow people they don't want to follow specific podcasts they want to say i follow this famous actor actress or writer regardless of where it is, whether it's a music, it's a book, it's a podcast, it's a video. Um, I think that's kind of where it's going. It'll just take a while to get there. So if you want to follow someone on a podcast, you can follow them in, in, in that domain, but also you can see their audiobooks, You can see any other part of creation that they're doing. The, the hard part is always just coordinating across teams, trying to get it uh, all hooked up on the engineering side. But I do think that in time, that is where we're seeing things go. And hopefully we can we can make it happen a little faster. 
Oh, good. I'm so committed to that because I feel like it, it's uh, this is marketing. This podcast is marketing for my brand and, and for people who come on the show, obviously. And I feel like it would be so great if it was more easily linkable. So I'm really encouraged to hear you say that. And yeah, consider me uh, a vote for the Google creator profile thing, whatever it will be called. <laughs> yeah, will do. Yeah, fantastic. So I did also want to ask about, I mean, you've mentioned algorithms a lot and Google is very ahead of the pack in terms of AI, artificial intelligence and a lot of the things going on. I'm very excited about the AI space. I talk about it a lot on this show. And I was excited to see that there's a Google Play beta program for AI voice narration of audiobooks, which has been reviewed positively by a UK publisher. And I've discussed this on the show and I've got my own voice double and I'm very excited about this and I know a lot of people who are. So can you tell us a bit about the program and, and why you think AI voice is going to be game-changing for audiobooks and when authors can get involved? Yeah, this is something that I've personally been working on for, for quite a few years now, almost my entire time on books. So I'm happy, happy to talk about it. I think maybe just to start off, I want to describe why we started to look at this in the first place and how we went about building it. Uh, when we launched audiobooks a few years ago, we noticed that there was a massive gap in the number of ebooks versus audiobooks. In fact, like 95% of ebooks don't have an accompanying audiobook, which is which is millions and millions of books. And it's not that some of these ebooks wouldn't make a great audiobook. As as you know, as we know, audiobooks are just expensive to create, both in terms of time and and, and money. So we started to think about what can we do as Google. Uh, who has a lot of text-to-speech machine learning to try to make it so it's just cheaper to produce, less less expensive to produce. And with a a lot of tweaking and internal coordination, we started to build a product that we're calling auto-narrated audiobooks, uh, basically text-to-speech audiobooks. uh, So hence the name auto-narrated. And we actually created a handful of public domain books to showcase just how good we think these voices are. You know, most people are used to listening to uh, a text-to-speech voice for a couple of seconds with Google Assistant or maybe a minute. But it's a bit different when you're listening to a five-hour, six-hour audiobook. And so we took a lot of time to really refine these voices. And maybe I, we can actually figure out a way to give you these public domains and they can be in the show notes or something like that. I, on that point, though, uh, one thing that I think it's important to say is these auto-narrated audiobooks aren't in any way meant to replace human-narrated ones. The human voice is, is really still far and away a superior at storytelling. Auto narration is really the best fit for books that would not otherwise have become audiobooks. And we think that by giving listeners more access to content, whether it's human narrated or auto narrated, uh, that it'll really just uh, encourage uh, users to listen to more audiobooks and expand the audiobook uh, listening um, addressable market. So. We think that over time, when users actually create auto-narrated audiobooks, they'll find, hey, I'm starting to get some traction. Maybe it makes sense for me to invest in human-narrated and kind of both shares of the pie grow together. We're also excited about the accessibility implications of uh, auto-narrated audiobooks, both in the blind and low vision community, as well as readers with reading challenges uh, such as dyslexia, and really expanding access to audio versions of titles that as I said before, like would, would never have had audio produced otherwise. That's that's really the background. On the, the product side, 
We're still trying to iron out a few details. There are a few things that are kind of tricky to get right, especially as you think about converting an EPUB directly into an audiobook. Uh, but we're excited to launch the tool, hopefully sometime uh, coming soon to a wider publishing audience. And when you say soon, are we talking one year, five years, 10 years? <laughs> soon, hopefully within the year. That That is our goal. There may be something that pops up before then, but uh, we're really just trying to make sure that the tool is as easy as possible for users to create. But definitely, I would hope sometime within the year. Great. And when you say publishers, you mean like an, like someone like me who has my books on Google Play, that's something I might be able to get access to when it's available. Exactly. Exactly. And we will definitely make it known uh, to everyone when we have it available. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what I'm excited about this um, too, is that, for example, you, you're an American male, you have an American male voice. I'm a British female. And when I narrate my book, I know that some people like my voice, but other people might want an American male. So, and vice versa. I There are so many audiobooks that I get from America and they're all narrated by American men. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I would really just like a British female voice. Why do I have to listen to this? So to me, I agree with you that we're not replacing humans, but we're giving the listener choice. So I might really just prefer a different voice to narrate the audiobook. And what I see with stuff like this is, well, give people a choice. How how would you like to listen? Yes, you can have this premium priced human narrator, or the, you could listen in a whole load of, of different voices generated by AI. So that's kind of how I see it, is that you could almost choose the voice like you choose the voice of your assistant. That's exactly how we see it as well. In the initial version that'll be coming out, we'll have somewhere around 15 different voices that'll vary by by gender, by accent, by age, by their pitch and their tone and their speed. Really so users, publishers can customize to figure out which voice they want to use. In the the initial version, we'll have them only select one for one audiobook. But you can imagine like as it goes on, as a user, you can say, hey, I want to actually... I want the British female version for this voice, uh, for this book, and they can select on their side from a whole host of different options. And that won't be available uh, in this coming release, but it'll, it'll in time get in there so users can really figure out you know, how do I want to listen to this content and you know, what makes sense for this specific content, whether it's serious or it's a little bit more comedic and, and be able to choose themselves. Oh, that's great. Because that's, that's brilliant. The other question is on language. So for example, I'm not sure if voice doubles will be available, but I have books obviously in German and um, other languages. Is it going to be, uh, could you have the same voice, but narrating in a different language? You could have the same voice and narrate in a different language. Uh, that would certainly be possible. In the initial version, it'll only be English, but we are looking to expand other languages as well. And you can take the same type of accent and convert it to another language. Um, it may not always sound like uh, you would you would expect a, a human from speaking German uh, would, because it's maybe a British person speaking German in a little bit different manner. So we're trying to refine the models, but you certainly will be able to uh, have it in different languages. And that's kind of a big portion of what we see. So if you write a book, uh, in English, let's say, and then you want to convert it to other languages. Maybe you're not going to make an audiobook in all those languages. Maybe you have only an English audiobook. Uh, and this would make sense for some of those other audiobooks to, to be created by auto narration. 
Oh, I love that. And I love that you've been working on this for a number of years because I, I am super excited about this and everyone listening knows I go on about it all the time. But it feels like things have really um, speeded up. And I know the pandemic has accelerated a lot of things. But as someone, obviously, you've been working on this for years. Do you really, uh, is it the next couple of years we're going to really see a shift in in the way that I, I see an explosion of, of content, really, a sort of exciting new audio world? That is, that is certainly our hope and, and certainly my hope of uh, all the time that we've been investing in this. I, I think it really comes down to the user. And we have tried uh, very hard to make a voice that users can listen to for long periods of time. Uh, and we would we already created some public domain audiobooks, so you can feel free to listen to yourself. But we really think it's approaching the, the area where people would enjoy listening to these. And that really opens up, as you said, an, an entirely new domain of space to create different types of audio, uh, just because it's normally so expensive to actually do that creation. Mm, Absolutely. So exciting times. So where can people find out more about Google Play Books and also audiobooks? Yeah, certainly. So the best place is just to go uh, to our Google Play Books Publishing Center. And if you just type that into uh, Google search, we'll be the first link at the top. Uh, And then when you do uh, create an account, or if you already have an account, make sure that you're signed into our emails. We recently, about a year ago or so, changed our email opt-ins. So uh, make sure to go back in there, make sure they opted into the categories that you want. And one of those is announcements. And we, we always have a lot of announcements coming, whether it's new products uh, in general or ones that have to do with auto narration. Uh, that would be the best place to, to stay informed. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for your time, Ryan. That was great. Great. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for listening today. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes and show notes available at thecreativepen.com forward slash podcast. You can also get your free author blueprint at thecreativepen.com forward slash blueprint. If you'd like to connect, you can tweet me at The Creative Pen or find me on Facebook at The Creative Pen. See you next time.